Amela Ana Salinas, software engineer and host of the Women in Tech show, technical interviews with prominent women in tech. As applications continue to move to the cloud, it is important to have systems that are easy to use and accessible to more people, not just hardcore techies. This is what Bidnami is doing. Bidnami simplifies the process by managing a catalog of ready-to-run server applications, among many other things. Ana Pulido, engineering manager at Bidnami, explains what ready-to-run applications in the server are and what it takes to design a product that is easy to use when working on the cloud. We also talked about Kubernetes and how Bidnami simplifies deployments to clusters with KubeApps, their latest open source project. I'm here at KubeCon in Austin, Texas with Ara Pulido, engineering manager of Kubernetes and SRE at Bitnami. Ara, welcome to the Women in Tech Show. Thank you. It's great to have you here. And today we're going to be talking about Kube apps and where we're headed in this space of running applications on the server. Sure. And I interviewed Erica Brescia earlier this year. And for those people that didn't listen to that show, I just want to do a quick recap of Bitnami. It's the leading provider packager of applications for any platform. So sort of like the app store of server apps, correct? Exactly, okay. yes. So I can give a little bit of overview. So uh, Bitnami yeah. has been around for the past 10 years and um, their mission has been always been having applications available for anyone in this way. So it started with installers like 10 years ago. From installers, it moved to VMs, like VMware images, and then to cloud images. So we are in the most important clouds marketplaces. And then from there to containers, Kubernetes and serverless. So it's been a continuous journey of adapting how people run applications and making sure that thanks to Bitnami, they can run it wherever they want in a very easy way. One example that I read about is for these ready-to-run applications that Bitnami provides, it can be WordPress. So if you need to run WordPress on your server, you can just find it on Bitnami and it's ready to go. Yes, not only on Bitnami. So you can go directly to bitnami.com and launch it from there um, as a cloud image, as a cloud instance. But also you can go to Amazon and their marketplace and find it there. So, um, or any other cloud. So we're in Google and Azure and many other clouds. So you can, if you're already using Amazon or you're using Azure or you're using Google, Internally, as your cloud provider, you don't have to move elsewhere. You can just go there and create an instance for WordPress or Redis or whatever you need to use on the cloud. Okay. What are other examples of those ready-to-run applications? You just mentioned Redis. Yeah, so it's Redis, MariaDB. So we have a lot of infrastructure. We also have a lot of applications. So we have a catalog of more than 150 apps. So you can go to bitnami.com and check all the lists. It's a, We hope to be anything that people want to run on the cloud. Okay. And part of what makes Bitnami unique, I think, is, like you said, they want to make apps available for everyone. And this technology available for everyone, regardless of level, not just hardcore techies. Yes, and one of the things that uh, we are very proud of the work that we are doing is the frequency that we um, update those, those apps. As soon as upstream releases a new version, uh, sometimes in less than 24 hours, we have published the new version. So people can 
make sure that running our, our images, they're running the latest version with the latest security updates, um, so they, they can always be on the latest. And when you're designing a product that you want it to be available for hardcore techies, but also for beginners, how do you make sure you keep both of these groups happy? Yeah, so one of the things that, that all of our images and our containers, so we can talk later about our container and Kubernetes offering, but all of these things, the defaults are secure, are ready to go, but they're also configurable. So if people want to change those defaults, they can as well. Mm -hmm. So that way you can make sure that if a person wants to run WordPress in a secure way, they just have to run it. But if you're tech enough and they you want to uh, modify how it behaves, you can also do it as well. And you just mentioned the defaults. It's one of the things I heard at the keynote that before people were just to start everything from zero, but now you just have this pre-configure values. Do you know what is a good way to come up with those values? Is it by looking at what so people have done? So normally, yeah, normally you learn a lot of how people are deploying a particular application in a secure way. You have to, the way we do it is a, we make sure that we understand very well the application before we create one of these images. We understand the security values that Upstream recommends. And once we understand how all these things work, then we come up with those defaults for our images. Okay. And also, when you're dealing with different types of expertise level of users, do you have parallel designs? For example, maybe the people that are new would want to see a UI and more experienced people a console interface? So uh, we support both. So, I mean, okay. for example, it's uh, so many of those applications come with a admin UI and obviously we don't remove it so you can usually go to the admin but it's also in the case of um, cloud instances it's also a cloud instances so you can SSH into to that image and do whatever you need to do uh, in terms of a container image you can use our container images to build upon those and create your own container images so one of the efforts that we've created in the past quarter was to create what we call uh, production-ready container images. And for, we have those for PHP, for Python, for Node.js, and, and other runtimes. And the goal of those is for people to use her to our container images, not um, just to run those, but to use that as a base image. And then they can create their application on top, and it's already with a very small footprint, uh, secure, uh, Kubernetes-ready, so all those things, so people can just run their application very easily using our container images as space. And for these users, do you know what's the strategy to reaching more users for Bitnami? So I think for the container images themselves, most of it is uh, word of mouth. So they're in GitHub, people can see, uh, they're completely open source, people can see how we build them. People have a very, we have very good documentation, that's another key in our products that we're really proud of. So when people try to find how to do things with our container images, with our instances, they find very good documentation. So that's a very good way to reach out to people. Yes, I think that's very important. And I've seen it in other products like DigitalOcean is known for their good documentation. TensorFlow also has very good documentation. So that, that's good that you brought that up. I want to talk now about KubeApps, which is the easiest way to deploy applications to the cluster, right? Yes. Okay. So 
as I said before, our journey has been in a following the industry trends on how people deploy software. So, but the mission stays the same. So it's all about applications on the server. So CubeApps is a product that you put on top of your cluster. So we don't. Uh, some people were sometimes confused whether it was a managed service. It's not. So this runs on any cluster that you already have. So you have to start with your own cluster. It could be on Amazon, it could be on, on GKE, it could be anywhere, or it could be on-premises. And now that you have an empty cluster, you have to allow your users to put applications on top. And those applications will be, for example, WordPress or Redis? Yes, okay. it could be any of those. So we believe that we created a Cube Apps as a very easy way to, you have an empty cluster, and then you provide your users to a way to deploy applications. So Cube Apps, it's several things. So the first thing is a small CLI tool that your cluster administrator can run, and they can say Cube Apps up with an empty cluster. And it deploys for you um, a set of utilities that then allows users to deploy applications on top. So once you have Cube Apps on your cluster, any of your cluster users can open up a dashboard that uh, it's part of Cube Apps. It's a very nice web UI where you can do several things. So we have uh, the first thing is that you, we have a, a list of applications ready to deploy. We are using a technology called Helm, um, Helm charts for those. Upstream on the official Kubernetes repo for Helm charts, we are like a top, uh, I don't know how many top uh, contributors that we have there, so we are contributing upstream to those charts. So you have a, a dashboard, so people can just search for an application visually, read what the application is doing, how the deployment is going to be made, and with one click, they can deploy that application on their namespace or whatever the cluster. That's one thing. Just to clarify, the chart is not really a graph, it's not a chart, right? No, no, it's like something called Helm charts. It's yeah. a way of packaging applications. Yeah, so yeah. it's like a config file, right? Yeah, it's a way to be able to configure a manifest in Kubernetes. It was a technology created by a, a company called Days. Um, we contributed a lot as well to, so we have uh, two core Helm contributors in, in Vietnami. And yeah, in that way, uh, the user really doesn't have to know how things are packaged. So they just, they can go to the web UI and say, I want uh, WordPress or whatever I need in my cluster and install it with one click. The other thing that uh, Cube Apps adds to your cluster is a serverless framework that we have, um, that we've uh, created upstream. It's called Kubeless. And Kubeless is serverless framework. It's a function as a service framework where the user of your cluster, if they, if they need to run a little piece of code and they don't want to fiddle with uh, creating a container image, having to deploy, they just want to run a small piece of code, yeah. uh, they can just create that piece of code and uh, deploy that as a function they can use the CLI, but they can use also use the dashboard. So through the dashboard, you can say, okay, I want to create in my cluster a function in Python that does this bit of code, and I want to, this function to be run every time a user checks a HTTP point, for example. So Kubeless does everything for you on the cluster, so it creates pods for you, it does everything that it needs to be done. So the user, the only thing that it needs to do is to put the code there and just uh, create the function. Mm -hmm. So that way you provide your cluster users a very easy way to deploy code without having to think about anything else. 
and they can make sure that uh, that function gets run every time someone does an event, in this case, call an HTTP point, for example. And that's very powerful for uh, people running a large enterprise where people need to deploy code very easily and they're running Kubernetes, they can do that. And that's also part of KubeOps. So the alternatives are, so with Kubeless, you're deploying just a function, right? Yes. The other way of doing it is you're deploying a full-fledged app, right? Yeah, exactly. So okay. the way to deploy things to Kubernetes is you create a container image and then you deploy it to, to Kubernetes. Mm -hmm. But you have to have a Docker file, you have to create that image, push it to a registry, and then create a manifest in Kubernetes. So even though it's still and it's a way to deploy software. You still have to do all those steps to be able to, to get your software into Kubernetes. With a serverless framework like Kubeless, if you want to just run a piece of software, a piece of code, a function, that's why it's called function as a service, a function, you create that function, you push it there to Kubeless, and Kubeless does all the, all the heavy lifting for you. It does it by Kubeless. They create, uh, Kubeless creates all the internal parts that you need, the images that you need, the services, the Kubernetes services, the endpoints, all for you. Uh, so you just have to think about the code and nothing else. And are there specific characteristics or patterns that tell you, oh, you should just deploy this as a function? Or does it come naturally as you're working on this? Yeah, so obviously it can be done, a lot of things, uh, but a very clear use case is uh, CI-CD's uh, pipelines. So because these things are run just like a cron job or something like that, like uh, things that just run in a point of time uh, for a particular work and then it's, it's over. It's not an application. It's not something that needs to be running all the time. It's just something that is going to be run as part of an event that happens. So for example, for a CI CD pipeline, your event could be that uh, you've pushed code to a Git repo. And as part of that, you want a machinery to start and to run something for you on the server. That's one thing. Also, another pattern to be used is something that, again, that's the main difference, is that something that you don't want it to be run all the time. Like, you just want to run when something else happens. Okay. So that way you save a lot of uh, CPU memory because it just don't run when it does, it's not need. So this can also translate to costs, right? Because if you're saying if you're deploying a function, it doesn't have to run all the time. It can be after an event trigger, you run something. It translates to cost savings, right? Yeah, exactly, because you can make sure that you're not using, utilizing your cluster when you don't need to. And we've been talking about building an easy way to deploy applications. Before we had the solutions from Benami, for example, what made it difficult to deploy and maintain applications. That's the good thing about Kubernetes paradigm and containers. Before okay. that, you had to, there was no isolation to start with, so you had to think about how your application was going to modify everything else. You had to provision your servers, select the operating system that you want to deploy, install your operating system, install the dependencies of your application, okay. install the application on top, and making sure that Every time that you upgrade the OS, you were not breaking your application as part of that. This is the theme that I'm seeing. I spoke to Diane Marsh yesterday, and what she's saying is, we want to have tools that just let you do the main part of your job without you having to worry about 
things that are not really related. So if you just want to get a fix out, why should you be worrying about dependencies and things like that? Yeah, so, exactly. So I think that that's where we're headed. And yesterday I stopped by the Benami booth to look at the demo. And I was talking to somebody there and what they mentioned is with cube apps, part of the problem is solving is for new people that are just coming to the platform to be able to discover these applications. Can you describe what the issue used to be with application discovery? Yes, so one of the things that we try to solve with cube apps is what we call internally something like the empty cluster syndrome. So everybody's moving to Kubernetes now and they obviously if they want to run Kubernetes, the first thing that they need is a cluster and they know that. And they, okay, they create a cluster. They create a cluster using one of the Kubernetes as a service offerings out there, or they create a cluster in their own servers, uh, whatever. But once they have a cluster, if you're new to Kubernetes, it's a little bit difficult to say, okay, what now? How do I deploy applications? How I have a cluster? I want my users to use it, but uh, I don't know exactly where to start for them to be really quickly having applications and they can start understanding the new paradigm and the understanding how it's useful for them. So that's why Kubeup sits on top of an empty cluster and it has uh, the web UI where you can see all the applications that you can run them. You have a serverless framework, etc. So that way users of your cluster can very easily start using the cluster and understanding what it means to run a Kubernetes application, how it works, what it's a deployment, all those things that it's very easy for them to, to just get started and then start understanding how everything works. Mm -hmm. And what's also new about this is they can even rate the existing applications, right? Yes, as part of that, we've created a hub, a community hub. It's uh, on hub.cubeapps.com and you get a list of the applications that are available out there in the Kubernetes upstream project as a chart. But you can also, uh, yeah, you can rate those applications, you can create an account, you can create comments. So that way, what we're trying to achieve with the CubeApps Hub is to make sure that there is a feedback loop with the users about what's good or bad about those charts. So obviously you have all those charts on open source, so people can go to GitHub, but sometimes people don't want to go to GitHub or file an issue, so they can just go there and put a comment or this chart is fantastic or this chart has this problem and that way the community can help themselves exactly. um, improving the, those applications. Yeah, and the problems and the bad things might not even be like, oh, the, this chart is bad. It might just be like, well, it's bad for this scenario, like if you have more than X users. So it's a way to educate the community, I think, of like, this solution might be good for you if... Yeah, exactly. And not only that, like uh, finding a small work. Uh, so all these charts, uh, Helm charts, you can parameterize them. So you can put uh, your own configuration to them. So it's a way also you can say, okay, I, I use this configuration and it works in this case, but not on that case. If you have this other case, you can have this other configuration. So yeah, having a way for the community to, to talk about those applications mm -hmm. charts. Yeah. Do you think later on we would even move to more similar model to like the iPhone app store where you even get recommendations so if like 
they detect depending on your usage or some metrics like yeah, it oh, could you, be. you might want to install this app <laughs> in your server that would be cool i think no exactly so yeah. i think it's a good point so many of these applications has um, multi-tier applications so if you're running i don't know wordpress you can have a database that you're using different databases you may use mariadb or mysql or mm -hmm. something else so yeah. maybe you can have a recommendation like uh, what database you want to put on the bottom of, the, of your of your app or people that use this application also installed i think it could be useful right it is and it could be useful. yeah another important thing that i so Bitnami provides, and talking to somebody at the booth is that you guarantee security or you make sure everything is secure. But what does it mean in this context of QBAPs? So in the context of QBAPs is to make sure that many of the, for example, many things, so many of the containers that we run, that we have, the container images, run as non-root, which is a security feature for container images. But also we have all these application charts have, has good practices about uh, how to deploy them in Kubernetes. So that way you can make sure that it's, it's ready to go. Okay. All right. Well, Lara, thank you for taking the time to come on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having me. It was great.